The Jet Set Breakfast. Music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. We're chatting to Caitlin Rabe, who is a paleobiologist and doctoral student. She's been part of a group that have unveiled a new large-bodied saber-tooth that roamed the west coast of South Africa millions of years ago, 5.2 million years ago, and it has been called the Langebahnweg uh, saber-tooth cat. So it's different to other uh, genuses that uh, are around the world. But this is a completely fascinating uh, story of this large, larger than lion, even larger than lion cat that has been roaming the uh, West Coast. Caitlin, you spoke about um, in, in the press material, the, the, there's a discussion around the canines of the saber tooth. Obviously, yeah. the name says it all. Teeth like <laughs> sabers or like steak knives. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, so saber-tooth is actually a term that applies to more animals than just cats. Uh, there's even a saber-tooth deer, the musk deer that's around today, and the Asian water deer. So these are, there are lots of animals in the world that have extended canines. So we do tend to associate the most with these extinct cats because they were so pronounced and so charismatic. Basically, you've got a, a compressed canine that extends way past the jaw, and there's been a lot of debate over the years as to what these teeth were used for. Are they just for show? Could they possibly have actually been used in hunting? <laughs> and I think the, the sort of prevailing theory at the moment is that they did play a role in hunting. We've actually seen that in the musculature of the neck and the skeletal system, there's a lot of support structures to allow the animal to actually gape really wide so that it could use those big canines to wrap around perhaps the jugular of an animal, the way we do see modern cats do, but just to a, a much more severe extent. So, you know, when I was reading this material, I was like, this is insane. I mean, you discovered that this particular saber-toothed cat, um, which is completely different, not completely, but is different to others, was yeah. also, and how extraordinary that you could actually find this and, and see this and discover this, was also afflicted with osteoarthritis. So it, had, it yeah. had something wrong with its bones, just like us humans get when we turn 70 or 80 sometimes. <laughs> this thing had osteoarthritis and was probably grinding along and was probably like quite an old cat as well, I imagine. Yes, but I mean, the incredible thing about the fossil record is that bones are a, they have a unique duality. You know, bones are a living material and they're also a mineral. So they're able to actually store in that hard mineral exterior a lot of biological information that we oh, can still yeah. look at millions of years in the future. So we're able to diagnose pathologies, diseases in fossilized material. And just from looking at these bones, you know, in comparison to the bones of a modern lion or a modern leopard, you can immediately see that there's something wrong with them. You see the pictures from this re research study we did. You can see that there's a sort of degenerative erosion in some places, abnormal growth in others. And these are very diagnostic criteria for the presence of osteoarthritis and sort of disc disease as well, intervertebral disease in the lumbar spine. So we were able to actually piece together that both in the lower back and in the hind limbs, this animal was suffering with extensive and severe arthritis. And from that perspective, we were able to say something not only, as you say, about the age of the animal, but it must have been quite an old cat 
for it to have progressed to that extent. Yeah. But also that it was potentially limited in its mobility, even perhaps lame in its back leg because of the amount of pain we know that modern animals like humans deal with when they have osteoarthritis. And that really opens it up to, to speaking a bit more about the behavior of an extinct animal, which is really cool. But also, if you say it was quite an old cat, the fact that it managed to survive to such an old age says something about that cat as well. I mean, we're talking about something that was uh, around 5.2 million years ago. And um, just to clarify, this is, in fact, slightly different, for example, to the um, Kenyan African saber-tooth or the Spanish-European saber-tooth. Is that correct? Yes. So as part of our study, we were really interested to know who this guy was. You know, who was this cat? What species was it? Was it a male? Because, well, we're not, well, we're not too sure. Um, but, you know, we just, we were really interested to see where did they come from. Mm. And we were able to compare through a lovely database of, of material that we've gathered from all over the world, the measurements of these bones to, as you say, European saber-tooths and others from Africa. What we were able to deduce is that in terms of its body shape, it was similar in form to a saber-toothed cat that we know from here, from here in Africa, in Kenya. Yeah. And it was also similar to another form that's been previously found at the Langebanvach fossil site, but it's not quite the same. So it indicates that there could potentially be a sort of intermediate species here that we're seeing, or it could yeah. be an entirely new genus. Jeez. Now, importantly... In a lot of paleo sort of research, we rely on dental material because it's very diagnostic. The teeth of an animal can tell you a lot more than the hind limb bones or anything else. So hopefully going forward in the future, we'll find some more cranial material and we'll be able to refine that even further. Finally, Caitlin, as we close off, uh, would people, if, where did you start getting this passion for what you do? I mean, I bet you there's some kid who's like, 12 listening to you and probably getting super excited I mean I would have been if I was 12 I would have been oh, this is the work I want to do what was it that excited you about this kind of work as cliched as it sounds I think when I was about eight years old my mom showed me Jurassic Park <laughs> and I never really looked back and I never really grew out of my dinosaur phase let me and tell you watched... anybody who was in <laughs> Jurassic Park was looking back all the time because you never knew what yeah. was coming after you. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I watched BBC's Walking with Dinosaurs and yeah. anything I could get my hands on. And it's just been a passion that's followed me throughout my life. So I think if you're a youngster and you're really curious about science, just keep asking questions, keep reading, keep searching, keep picking up shells on the beach and and finding things interesting in nature, and it'll it'll take you far. Caitlin, if people want to see these remains, are they going to be able to see them in uh, the future? Definitely, and you can also see the beautiful fossil beds at the West Coast Fossil Park. So the Langebanbach locality has actually now been turned into an ecotourism attraction. You can go to the fossil park, you can walk through the fossil beds and actually see some of these remains where they lie in the ground. It's really beautiful. It sounds absolutely brilliant. Caitlin Rabe, I think we should all be going up the West Coast to that fossil park. I think we spoke about it last week as well. Just that idea of when you find a fossil on the ground whilst you can't take it with you, but just to see it and just to know that you are looking at history in the present. She is a paleobiologist and a doctoral student and focusing on this new large-bodied saber-toothed cat 
that roamed the west coast of South Africa 5.2 million years ago. Wow, and we worry about all the things now, and yet uh, we can go back that far. 8 o'clock, time for the news. Good morning.